This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Mariners get the win today in spring training. Some good things coming out of that game. We're going to speak with the voice of the Seattle Mariners, Rick Riz, here in just a matter of moments. Looking forward to talking to him. And we're going to have to do something to get him to cheer up because he's just so negative most of the time. So <laughs> hopefully we can get Riz to be a little bit positive about things. I'm kidding. It's He's, he, a, he's a ray of sunshine like our guy John Morosi. He's just, yeah, he's always finding the positive, always happy. That's a good comp, Bob. Yeah. Good yeah. comp. It's a good way to go through life, I bet. I wouldn't yeah. know what that's like, but I'm sure it's fun for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually texted Rick. I was just I'm just blown away by like his recall. I mean, I'll sit there and go, ah, what's that guy's name again? Oh, oh Barry Sanders. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, but you just... you remember random plays and games that I'm like, why do you remember that? You're like, you remember that third down play in the fourth <laughs> quarter when they were playing the Browns back in twenty eighteen? I'm like, no. I don't. You could make up any moment. I go, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> you, but you, So everybody's got a different recall, I guess, is my point. You you have a knack for that stuff. Riz is with the names. You with uh, movies and yeah, uh, movies. actors and actresses. Stuff and... that has no application to our job whatsoever. Oh, it's a big part of our show. <laughs> it's a big part of our show. But, uh, yeah, the, it, he was doing the whole, I think, everybody scores or yeah, something. Yeah, Louis Soho. Yeah, so he basically did the whole thing that Niehaus uh, said. Well, let's let's bring the man on now. The man, the myth, the legend, one of our favorite people in the world is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The voice of your Seattle Mariners, Rick Riz, is with us. How are you, buddy? Hey, Bob. Hey, Dave. How are you guys doing? We're great. Dave Dave was just telling me how blown away he is by your ability, your your recall, your recall of names and and moments. And I've said he's got a knack for pointing out moments in in football games that couldn't be more random. But he's got it dialed into the down, the the distance, the date it happened. It's crazy between the two of you. And I'll just sit here in a mental fog. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) but so you were I, I unfortunately didn't catch it. But Dave told me you were recreating the Louis Soho. Everybody scores moment. Yeah, because, uh, man, we had a great time on the radio today. Besides the Mariners win 6-3 to three here in Scottsdale, uh, Randy Johnson, before the ball game, was inducted into the Cactus League Hall of Fame. And Bob and Dave, I didn't even know there was such a thing. <laughs> I saw Randy on the field, and he's hard to miss, you know, at 6'10". Yeah. And so I didn't think he'd be looking up, but I waved to him, and he and I got his attention, and he waved back at me, and I pointed like, can you come up to the booth, you know, after you're done there? And he shook his head like, okay. So I go, all right, we got Randy coming up. So he came up in the top of the fourth and we just had a great time. I don't know what happened for two innings, but I talked with uh, the big unit on the radio along with Dave Sims. And, uh, you know, he talked about some great stories about, you know, coming over to the Mariners in the trade, the one game playoff, Luis Soho's base hit. That sink shot by snow down the right field line of the bullpen. Here comes Flowers. Here comes Tino. Here comes Joey. And Randy won that ball game nine to one. So it was just it was great to reminisce with one of the greatest pitchers of all time in the history of baseball. Three hundred three wins, four thousand seven hundred eighty five strikeouts, and uh, we just had a lot of fun uh, talking Mariners baseball and and reminiscing. It was a good time. Yeah, he he was great, and it was uh, it was cool the way you guys kind of folded that in. And you know, one of the things I was going to ask you, Rick, is you know, with this the pitch clock and everything, and you know, one of the great 
things that you do during the game is is tell stories. And, yeah. you know, but you, you, you've adapted well because, you know, it seems like a, a lot of times you're, you're having to cut it off and come back to it. Have you noticed a, a big difference in, in that, that regard? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tougher because uh, the pace of play has really picked up, and that was the goal of the pitch timer, Dave and Bob, you know, to speed up not only the game or the time of the game, but what happens, you know, inside the game. And uh, so it's really done that. And, yeah, we really have to shorten up the stories and get to a point, never start a story, you know, with two outs. And uh, <laughs> But I love it. I love what it's done. I mean, we're out, of, we're out of this ballpark in two hours and 25 minutes. I don't think we've played a three-hour ball game yet. And usually it's spring training with 76 guys in camp. You're playing three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So it's really done what it was intended to do. The pitchers are ready to go the hit, hitter's got to be ready to go with eight seconds left of the 15 that the pitcher has to throw a pitch. So, yeah, we have to be a little bit quicker out of the stories and get them in the right time, but uh, we'll make it happen. But I think it's going to be great for the fans. And really it's great for the game and for the players too because they're ready to make some great plays. And uh, I, I just love it. I really do. Uh, of all the changes, that that obviously is the, the most impactful so far. But we we read an article, Riz, yesterday that said, you know, talked about batting averages are up. I don't know. It was like 30 points and average runs scored are up. So just a short amount of time in spring, but the impact is yeah. there. Is that we haven't been able to watch every game? We're listening. So has has the lack of the shift in in the you know the disengagement from the mound have have those had big impacts in your mind so far? Yeah, especially for the left-handed hitters because now Bob and Dave, uh, you don't have you know five guys standing over there, and these guys were so reluctant to hit the ball the other way. They were constantly hitting balls into the shift, and now for the left-handed hitters, you got two guys over there, and you have to be on the dirt. You can't even be in, in shallow right field or a shortstop in shallow left field with a big right-handed hitter. So, yes, it's going to impact the game offensively. You're not going to see that line drive caught by the second baseman in shallow right field. And so it's going to it's going to add more offense to the game. Uh, the bigger bases may add a little bit more. I think there's going to be a little bit more stealing because the distance is going to be a little bit shorter. Those bang-bang plays are now going to go in the favor of the runner. It's going to be tougher on the pitcher-catcher combination trying to throw out runners, trying to steal. So you're going to see more offense, I think. But I, I think it's great. We really needed to do something. I saw the other day there was a video. I don't know if you guys saw this. In 2015, Zach Grinke is pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the team we just played. And between one pitch and another, they overlaid the entire 2015 Kentucky Derby. <laughs> which was two hours, and, excuse me, two minutes, two minutes and 20 seconds. Uh-huh. The entire race. And I don't know if you can find it, you can find it on YouTube, but, uh, you know, there was timeouts and Zach would be ready to pitch and he'd step off and then the catcher went out. But the game is really going to speed up. It's going to, like I said, be great for the fans and for the players as well. well I, we, it's, it's great. Sorry, Dave. We saw. I was showing no, no. Dave the video yesterday, and I don't know if you saw it. It's in the same vein. It was a split screen from a, a spring game this so far this year, and then it was uh, you know a regular season game from I think it was the Cubs last year. Mm. And the guy pitching it was Baez from the Cubs pitching to one hitter. And there was a step off. He has a fake, a throw yeah. to second. The batter steps out, does the gloves. And on the other side of the screen, the guy had, he, he recorded three outs in essentially the time it took for Bias to throw to one hitter. 
And it was yeah. the same example of just showing the difference in what's going on out there, and it was amazing. I, I love it. It's, it is an adjustment. I think it's great. No, I, I think it's wonderful. And I remember telling families, I said, you know, uh, during the school year when the kids are, you know, you got to get them to bed and everything, you can bring the kids out to the ballpark now in April and May when school is in because they're going to get home at a decent hour. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, bring the kids out. You don't have to wait to the end of the school year. Well, what about this, Rick, that uh, I'm getting ripped off of 81 hours of baseball? <laughs> it's going to be exciting. It's just be compacted. You're still going to get your, you know, nine innings every game and sometimes a few more. And you're still going to get your nine innings, uh, David. So okay. it's going to be fun. All right. But, yeah. uh, it was fun today. I really enjoyed having Randy up in the booth. That was yeah. great talking about our history and his history and his, his passion for photography He's been to Africa four times. Wow. How about that? Yeah. And he does the photography for rock groups like Rush and things like that. So he's one interesting guy. Yeah. That... So are you guys. Well, thank you, Rick. Gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. You're welcome. I like that I'm aside. I'm here in the parking lot by myself right now. It's kind of still ready to go home, but I enjoy talking with you guys. Oh, uh, man. Well, yeah, and that, you know, that's the thing that really sold me, I think, is and actually it was Julio. And you know, i got to say, Rick, Julio, when he was talking about the whole thing, basically he was saying, you know, with the pitch clock and the faster games, you know, the, the road travel is not as, as hectic, you know, it, I mean, you get a little bit of a break there. You get on the plane a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, you're yeah. not out there standing around all, you know, an extra right. half an hour for, and as uh, John Paul Morosi put it, uh, nobody ever left the, the baseball uh, stadium and said, oh, I wish I would have waited more. <laughs> I wish there was more waiting. <laughs> more waiting. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it'll be good, oh. for, good for you guys too. But, uh, but yeah, Julio, the way he put that, it was, uh, it was like he was uh, an official for Major League Baseball baseball and sort of touting why they uh, they have the pitch clock oh it makes sense i mean yeah we're gonna get on the bus go back to the hotel guys will be back at the hotel earlier and get more sleep and uh, i think just all around it's it's better for the game uh it's it, we we saw the impact right away the first game was two hours and 25 minutes you know back in peoria and then the next day it was two hours and 19 minutes and dave sims and i looked at each other it's end of the fifth inning and we had played one hour and it went oh my gosh you <laughs> yep. know and I, I heard about the pitch clock you know down the minor leagues the last three or four years and then it trimmed off an average of 24 minutes i go really 24 minutes yeah and it's true it's it's gonna it's gonna be about that in the big leagues this year so i'm glad it's here well rick i hope you guys aren't getting paid by the hour yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> hey, hey, no, Riz. I get paid by the word. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. Hey, Riz, uh, let me ask you about a guy that everybody's very interested in watching who's having a nice spring so far, and that's Jared Kelnick, who goes one for three today, hitting yeah. hitting 357. He's got a 357 on base so far. And that we always we always dismiss spring training numbers, good or bad. Like, all right, it's just spring. Sure. Let's let's not get too caught up in it. But I've been saying I think for him it's different because there's been so much focus and there has been so much expectation. And I think him seeing some success, whether it's spring or otherwise, goes a long way, maybe more so than another player. What do, what do you think about that? Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you, Bob and, and Dave. I mean, this is huge for this kid because he's had such a struggle the last couple of years in the big leagues. He goes down to Tacoma and hits well, you know, down there. And he, I think he just puts a lot of pressure on himself. I think I'm seeing a lot more relaxed. 
uh, Jerry Keldick, but what I'm also seeing is a great approach. Uh, you hear Scott Service talking about it all the time and the other coaches. You know, he's he's looking to drive the ball up the middle. And the other day, that's exactly what he did. He just focused up the middle. He had a line drive home run to straightaway center field against the Kansas City Royals. Next at bat, count goes to two and one. He calls timeout. He steps back in. He's thinking. He's thinking, what is the pitcher going to throw me? Then he hits a home run way up onto the Berman right center field. And then in his third at bat, he lines out to the center fielder straightaway center field so his approach is completely up the middle that's what cal raleigh told me early in the season last year when he started to turn things around and that way if your approach is up the middle constantly like that if you're a little bit out in front you can pull the ball if you're just a little bit late you're going to hit the ball the other way so if you stay up the middle edgar martinez told me this many many times in his hall of fame career if you stay up the middle you use the big part of the ballpark and so uh, what I'm seeing from Jared Kelnick is one of the best things I've seen all spring. See this kid have success because when he figures things out, and he will, and uh, not if, but when, and he will, uh, Mariners are going to have a heck of an outfielder for many, many years. So uh, I'm really happy to see this kid have success here. He's got to keep doing it, and then he's got to get to the big leagues and, and do it up there, and I think he will. Hey, Tom Murphy, look, uh, had a good day today. Oh. Yeah, and and uh, tell us uh, what you've seen from him because we, we kind of forgot about him last year. And he's, he's yeah. just one of my favorite guys, first of all. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, he, he, looked, he looked pretty good. I think the big thing with him, uh, Dave, is that he's healthy. You know, he got off to a good start last year. Uh, he was sitting over 300, hit a oh. home run, had some RBIs, and then got hurt and separated the shoulder. He tried to come back. He tried to come back, and then eventually had the surgery, and it was out for the year. So right now, you know, I saw him when, when I first showed up at spring training, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and he is in great shape, great attitude. He saw what Cal Raleigh did, you know, and, and so now he knows, you know, his role with the ball club, but he's healthy. And today he had a big day, and, uh, you know, he had the three base hits. He had the infield base hit, and then he had the home run to left field and another single. So that's great to see. But I think the biggest thing for him was is that he's healthy and able to swing the bat and do what he's uh, capable of doing. This guy just showed up on our doorstep just a few years ago, let, by, let go by the Giants right before we left camp. And uh, I think he's found a home in Seattle. He knows his role now, like I said. But uh, I think that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, a big day today for Tom Murphy. I mean, we're, we're in good shape there behind the plate. Has, has any Tom. Riz, has anybody caught your eye that we haven't really? I, I know all the focus is on Julio yeah. and Kelnick, and you know, and everybody else. All the big names we're aware of, but any, anybody else that's kind of flown under the radar that you've you've seen that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, there's a couple of kids. The Mariners didn't have a lefty in the bullpen last year. Remember that Eric Swanson was a right-hander, mm-hmm. but he had that splitter. He was effective coming in to get left-handed hitters out. There's a kid here in camp. I just think, man, he's been outstanding. Taylor Saucedo. And uh, he's a big lefty with a good slider. And he's been outstanding his first two outings. And Gabe Spire, uh, another lefty, throws hard, has a little more velocity. But these two kids, uh, I think, have been really, really good and have opened up some eyes. And and Scott Service said if they don't make the ball club, we're going to see him sometime during the course of the year because you need that depth. But uh, he's been really, really good. Uh, I I really like Cade Marlowe. This is a kid that joined us in Toronto he was like, uh, you know, insurance for the Mariners. He wasn't on the active roster, but they called him up. He was at AA Arkansas. I think he spent a little time at AAA Tacoma. 
but he looks good. Jack Larson can swing the bat. Uh, so this this ball club is still loaded. Uh, Emerson Hancock went one and two-thirds scoreless innings uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Darren McCacken looked really good today. Retired the last six batters of the ball game and just shut them down. Had a couple of strikeouts in the bottom of the ninth inning. So there's a group of young players that are still on the way, and uh, that's why I'm so excited about this ball club and the organization because eventually they're going to get here and you're going to need them. And uh, so, yeah, those are just a few of the names that I've seen from the position player-wise and also, uh, you know, pitching-wise. Hey, Rick, we, uh, we of course, have Brock and Salk down there. We've talked to both Mike and and Brock, and they're sort of talking about uh, just the the, the air uh, as far as this team, you know, they're different. They expect to win. They've been to the playoffs, and now yeah. it's just kind of a kind of a different feel uh, as as opposed to prior years during spring training. Have you have you felt any of that? Yeah, yeah. These guys, they know what's in front of them. They know they uh, ended the drought last year. They had that. They had nothing to do with it, but they ended it. It was there twenty years without a playoff of, uh, appearance, and they went out and got it done. And the way they did it was remarkable, you know, going 35 and 22 and one run decisions and 13 walk-off wins and 11 and five and extra inning ball games. Uh, I, I don't know how Scott service didn't have an ulcer at the end of the year, but uh, everything was, you know, edge of your seat baseball. And they figured out a way. And not only that, they came back in June. Everybody wrote them off. They were 10 games under 500 at 29 and 39. Then they go 61 and 33. So everybody wants to be a part of that. Uh, Robbie Ray saw what could be possible when he came here as a free agent. If the Mariners didn't have that year a couple of years ago where they just missed the playoffs by uh, one or two games, Robbie Ray signs as a free agent after winning the signing award with the Toronto Blue Jays. And then the trade, uh, Jerry DeBoto has done a heck of a job building this organization. Then he goes get Luis Castillo, one of the best starters. And, and and he sees what's going on here and signed a five-year contract extension. So they expect to win. They're putting on the uniform, looking to get to the postseason, not just getting to the postseason, but I'm telling you, they want to go deep in the postseason, play into October, hopefully into early November, because that's the goal for this ball club right now. They ended the drought. Now it's time to move on and do something even greater. And every guy in that locker room, all 76 right now, and even the young kids uh, see it, and they share the same uh, vision. Riz, we love you, man. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes oh, with us after a hard day of work. We figured you didn't spend as much time in the booth as you would before these rules came into play, so you still had some energy for us. So we yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we had to make you work the full three yeah. hours. Every day. In the normal normal spring, we'd be in the seventh inning. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> I'm in the parking lot all by myself right now talking to you guys, and I love it. It's great to visit with you guys. Love you guys too, man. We appreciate so, you, man. Thanks, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, Bobby. Thanks, David. Thanks, Kyle. All right. There you go. Man. There you go. The great Rick Riz. How do you find a nicer guy than that? Uh, you, 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 you really can't. You just don't. He, he, he's, he's another one of those guys. We'll, we'll, we'll put him on that in that category. If anybody ever had a problem with him, I don't need to know the details. I just know that the other person's the problem. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's, well, he just, he's in, that, in that exclusive club with Morosi and people like that. Yeah, and he's, I think, more than any other broadcaster, You the his love... For the game of baseball, loves it. Just comes through. Well, and he's a he's he's. He, you're right in that he's got great recall. 
He, yeah. I've watched him. Amazing. Yeah, sometimes they have notes and things they'll they'll use it during the broadcast. But so a lot of what he says out there, whether it's historical, whether it's you know him talking about the All Star game the other day, and he I don't know if he had it in front of him, but he had the year. I I couldn't remember the year the All Star came into existence. The All Star game. He goes, yeah, back in uh, 1933, first game at Comiskey Park, My and gosh. and I'm thinking, all right, did he know that off the top of his head? Does he have it written down? But he he does it in the flow. Of the conversation where it doesn't sound like, and yeah, so it was 1933. You can tell when somebody's reading. When you, you mean like what I do? Is that what you're describing? <laughs> no, Dave, that wasn't the reference. But yeah, he he's just he's so good and he's yeah. he's so positive. And I know some people who are oh, why is he so like they want him to rip the team? Like, tell show me a broadcaster that rips their team and still has a job after a while. It just does. That's not how that goes. He's he's not the guy to do that. Yeah, I've been accused of that as well. Well, you're you're employed by the team. Yeah, you can, <laughs> we're trying to. I mean, we're going to tell the truth, but yeah, but the the people that expect you to go out there and go, this is garbage. They better fix this nonsense. Get rid of that guy. He's terrible. Why would you play him? I mean, that's not not a realistic expectation. That's you're not going to hear that on any any broadcast where you're employed by the team. So he's he's a, he's fun to talk to and fun to listen to. Riz Riz is a gem. They, yeah, they've really absolutely. got a they've got a great broadcast team between him and Goldsmith and Sims and Blowers and Gary. It's a it's again we've talked about it before. It's been a nice rich history uh, here in Seattle of all sports with the with the broadcasters. Yeah, in- incredible. Um, by the way, we got mean texts today. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, some people have already started. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Friday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, mean texts are there for you coming up at 545 today. Just be creative. That's all we ever ask. Just creativity. Take shots at whoever you'd like. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll get to Jared Kelnick. We were just talking about him with, with Riz, and he's having a great spring so far. So what could that mean for this team? We'll get into it next. It's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Mariners get the win today. Our thanks to Rick Riz, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page after the show, seattlesports.com. And again, a reminder, we got mean text coming up at 545 today, so you can... Get those in whenever you'd like, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. One of the things we brought up with with uh, Riz is just what we've seen from Kelnick so far this spring, which should, I would hope, make everybody feel good. We always qualify it. Yeah, we get it. It's spring. You don't get too crazy about good things or bad things happening. But I, I, I really honestly believe for him it's different in that he just, there, I, he seems like he's just so tightly wound and just trying so hard, and it, he's had moments of success here and there. But I think for him to just see it, just to just to feel it, I'm getting on base. I'm coming up with home runs. I'm coming up with hits. He's hitting three fifty seven so far in spring. Uh, had another hit today. I just feel like it means more to him, maybe more so than it would to just you know uh, uh, Marco or or even Julio or somebody like that who just they're working on things. They're not going to take it to too seriously one way or the other versus him. Yeah, and I I think also he probably feels the pressure, um, you know, obviously, uh, especially with Julio coming up and in his first year. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I I do feel like uh, that Kelnick kind of took the the brunt of of all of that and kind of of made it a little bit easier for for Julio, who started off kind of rough. But, 
you know, his his rookie year. But yeah, three home runs for him, four RBIs. Um, you know, he, he he's got more home runs than anyone and you know, as he said, he was he's seeing the pitches really well. Yeah. So yeah, and hopefully, you know, the the shift will, you know, give him a little bit of relief as well. So like you said, I mean he's a he's a really good defender. And so like if he doesn't bat let's say he bats, you know, two twenty you know, if, if he's doing some damage, you know, mm-hmm. he's getting RBIs, he's getting, especially being down at the lower part, we're assuming anyway, we don't know what the official lineup's going to be, but, you know, if you can, if you can get on base and, and get some hits uh, and have Julio following you, that'll be, uh, that'll be a huge benefit. And again, it ha- doesn't have to be like huge numbers. It just has to be a good, solid contributor. You're yeah. not going to have everybody hitting over 250. And, you know, if he's a little below that, but he's doing damage in the right situations, he's a great defender. Yeah. Give me the on-base percentage. Get on there. If you're drawing walks, you're mm-hmm. finding your way on base in front of Julio, that would be fantastic. So, and, and he's cap- he's got the tools. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Uh, Jerry DePoto was on with Brock and Salk, and they were talking about Kelnick. And Jerry talking about why he's optimistic about Kelnick's progress. Could not be any more optimistic about the changes that he's made. And then some of this is is not just the results that he's achieving in the game. It's not just how good he's looked on the fields in, in practice from the moment we got here. It's what we know of his offseason and and the things that he's done to, to focus on what we're seeing, which is, you know, some level of swing change, some level of approach change, some level of, of just adapting to, you know, major league pitching. It's just taking him a little while longer than it takes others. I'm, I'm hoping he's found a comfort up there and and we'll see in the regular season, but he's a guy who just in his brief amount of time here, Dave, so far, I feel like we've seen three different, four different batting stances up there. You know, he's, he's, he's all, he's always tinkering, right? Which listen, a lot of guys have done that, but they've, they've kind of had that success to be able to, I mean, Cal Ripken used to change his stance almost every at bat. It was ridiculous how often his stance would change, but he was, he was ingrained. He knew what he was doing. He he could do it and still succeed. And, you know, he's he's still searching. He's still trying to find that, where do I feel come? Where am I finding success? Where are my hands here? My hands here. My foot here. I'm getting my foot down here. And it, and maybe this is it. Maybe he's found it. And, and you know, it sounds like he was working on it in the offseason again. His mechanics always seem to be in play. So hopefully he's kind of narrowed it down to an area where I, I've, I found my comfort zone here. Now it's just about... Let me focus on the game. Let me focus on what I think this guy's throwing me. I'm not worried about the mechanic part, mechanical yeah. part. Right. And this is one player where I'm absolutely paying attention to what he does in spring, as you said earlier. I mean, this is – he just needs to have success. Now, who were we talking to the other day that said they didn't think it was between his ears? They thought it was it was physical, that, you know, it was more, more that side of it, that he was okay mentally. But – I don't know. Uh, to to me, I, I feel like he just needs to have some success. He needs to win. Yeah, the, I, I think it's the opposite. I think physically he's fine. Maybe mechanically he needed yeah. some tweaks, but I think it's between the years. Totally. So yeah. so I yeah I, I feel like yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pay attention because typically, like you said, remember last year, Eugenio Suarez has. Uh, what three errors and mm-hmm. like think, the first three games or something yeah. like that and, and that, yeah. that's something you okay he he's done it before we know that you know that that's not the usual process but for Kelnick man it's just just anything you'll take anything to yeah. see him get some confidence well and Jerry another one from Jerry just talking about his his swing 
in the exit velocity that he's been generating. He's always had a pretty short or direct swing. You know, mm-hmm. Jared's swing, if you were to look at it from the moment we, we acquired him, is a pretty flat swing, you know, and, and uh, which is not uncommon with good hitters who use the field to hit. And, you know, through the years, you, you would define flat swings as if you looked at batting champs or the guys that are at the top of the, the, the batting average leaders, very common. He's got a little more tilt in his swing, and it's shorter on the front end. You know, on the front end, he has, there's there's a little more you know uptick. You know, mm-hmm. as he as he comes through the zone, and then he's and he's shorter on the extension on the backside, which I think gives him more barrel control through the strike zone. And uh, it's certainly, I will say this: I don't think he's hit a ball under 100 miles an hour since the since the spring began. And and you know, he's he's roasting the the league in that it's 105 to 113 mile an hour exit velocity almost every time he swings the bat, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. I like that he's roasting the league, Dave. <laughs> That's great to hear. No, he's even if he's uh, even if some of these are turning into outs, he's squaring it up like that. That's that's great. All of that is great news. Great, you know, gives you reason to be optimistic and hopeful about because we've talked about it a million times. What they did do, what they didn't do in the off season, and a lot of a lot of their hope, hopeful success comes from what he can provide. You, you know, if he comes through, that makes everything feel much better, and it, it, it makes the lineup longer. To state the obvious, but you had his glove, you have his defense. He brings in that offensive threat. It changes this lineup in a really big way. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about, and I know we got a clip here coming up from uh, from Brock and Salk, but the other thing I would say about him, you know, we talked about maybe his personality. Is he too intense? We saw Ty France dump the Gatorade on him, and he didn't seem to like it. I haven't, heard, <laughs> I haven't seen or heard any evidence of that his teammates don't like him. I, I feel like he's yeah. a good teammate. Yeah, you know? he was. I would say in that celebration, we talked about that being in the clubhouse after they clinched that night and, you know, champagne and cigars and everybody's going nuts and winkers off to the side at his locker, just on his phone, looking around. Kelnick was in the middle of it with everybody hugging and drink, you know, the the whole thing. He was he was one of the guys. He was certainly not on the outside. Uh, But here you, you mentioned this clip. Jared was on with Brock and Salk and talked about, you know, coming across so intense and asked whether he's having fun. Not somebody that jumps around and does cartwheels and like that's not me like i'm not like that in my life outside of baseball i'm i'm anyone that knows me i'm super intense with what i do um like i'm gonna probably go play golf at some point this week and like it's it's all business when i'm out there i'm trying to win and like and when i win like that's fun like that's i enjoy that but i also what i enjoy the most about the game is like the mind games and like really thinking of digesting things out and like really trying to investigate of why things work didn't work out but then also why things worked out that's really enjoyable for me because like it just makes you that much more aware that much more smarter about the game and it's no different like in golf like when i have a great shot i love to really like think about why it worked out and when i have a bad shot think about why i didn't that's what i really enjoy Mm -hmm. He's competitive, Dave. I see that, man. <laughs> he's, he's competing in every possible way. <laughs> he's intense. He wants to win. I can yeah. respect that. You, but you, you you, nailed the the right part of it. We can look at him from the outside and say, well, he doesn't look like he's smiling or having fun. He's intense. He's too intense. As long as his teammates like him and it's and it's not impact, it's not impacting him in a negative way at the plate or anything, be intense. He doesn't have to yeah. do cartwheels. No, that's why <laughs> I like that part. <laughs> Jump around and do cartwheels. All right. Coming up, a, a unique Y-man coming your way next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. 
Why, man? Why? Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. He's a habitual line stepper. What were you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you the way that you are? It's the Why Man of the Week. We do it every week here with Wyman and Bob. Why Man, presented by Mazda of Everett. And a reminder, coming up at 4 o'clock, the Boz. Brian Bosworth will join us on the program as we continue with our what we've called the Seahawks Alumni Series. Had a lot of great guests on. I'm really excited to talk to Boz coming up at 4 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. But a couple of uh, interesting entries here, Dave. I don't know if you had a chance to – you heard us talking about this story because I, I sent it to you and Lefko the other night. Uh, but I don't know if you've heard the audio of this, but there's a there's a basketball player for Illinois who got sick, and he, and they called it or he called it caffeine poisoning, which I've never heard of. But uh, he's uh, Matthew Mayer explaining how he got sick. I've actually been sick the last few days. I had caffeine poisoning. I literally had uh, six monsters the day of the game. I only had one before, but I had five after because I like a caffeine-induced euphoria to play video games in. Um, and so I uh, I could barely get out of bed the next day. It was like basically like a caffeine hangover. And uh, so this is my first day of practicing since then. <laughs> a caffeine-induced euphoria when I play video games. <laughs> what the hell? I first of all, the whole time I'm just thinking, he drank too much. That's what happened. He drank know. too much. Caffeine poisoning, Dave. It's a real problem. <laughs> Never heard of that before. I've heard of I've I've had too much caffeine where you feel jittery or something like that. You know, but I've I don't know that I've ever woken up. I've now to be fair, I've never had six monster energy drinks like he did. I don't know what that would do. It doesn't sound fun or healthy, but yeah, caffeine. But he was in bed the whole next day. <laughs> You're a video game guy, aren't you, Matt? Do you ever? I am, but not to that extent. Do you, do you ever have? I've a, never put myself in the hospital playing video games. Do you, do, you, do you have an energy drink though to help you get through the? No, marathon? not really. The the closest thing I have is like Starbucks sometimes, but yeah. you don't appreciate a nice caffeine induced euphoria. I really yeah. don't. Okay, I feel like after one monster drink, I would have enough energy to last the week, but six of them seems like it should put you in a coma. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I actually hurt myself playing video games one time. I fell off the chair. Um, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course no. you did. Do you remember the first time, when I was at Stanford, the first time I ever drank any coffee? And I never used to drink coffee. I remember uh, we used to give the late, great Nesby Glasgow uh, a, a hard time because he always had a cup of coffee in his hand. He was mm. always walking around. He was kind of an older player. He was a yeah. strong safety. He used to play for the Colts. Yeah. And then he, he played here in Seattle, and him and Moyer kind of switched off for a little while there. But, uh, yeah, he was always walking around with coffee. But I I just I don't think I drank coffee until, like, my last year mm. in the NFL. But I remember one time at Stanford I was trying to stay up for because I was studying and cramming for a test. And I could not sit still. And it just totally backfired on me. Like, I, I didn't. And then once I hit the wall that was at, like, 2 a.m., I just was out. But, you know, I was going to stay up all night and drink coffee, and I drank too much, and I was all jittery and everything. So, yeah, I had caffeine poisoning, apparently. I didn't. You know, we weren't sophisticated enough uh, back in the 80s to know that that was actually a term. Yeah. Caffeine poisoning. I, it's we got people texting in about it. I don't. I don't. Some people are saying it was sugar poison because I think there's a ton of sugar in those drinks oh, yeah. too, right? In those energy drinks. 
Uh, and they that said that's the same as drinking, which I guess, yeah, alcohol, doesn't that convert to sugar or something in yes. your body? So, yeah, maybe that's the hangover he had. And others, <laughs> 360, isn't caffeine poisoning a heart attack? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Others saying uh, Matt Mercer Island says too much caffeine can kill you. That is a fact. All right. I like this 425 says bleeping college kids. <laughs> <laughs> the old man. The old man. Uh, I, I just like the guy's voice. Well, I actually had caffeine poisoning. I like a caffeine-induced euphoria when I play video games. <laughs> yeah, his explanation did not do uh, him any good. All right. Uh, so there's entrant number one. Number two comes courtesy of the Ravens uh, GM, Baltimore Ravens GM, Eric DaCosta. This is one you got to – I got to – if I'm the owner, I'm pulling him to the side going, what are you doing? This is way worse than the caffeine poisoning guy. Yeah, this is – yeah, this guy should know better. This guy's in charge. This guy's got a lot of responsibility. And here he is being asked about identifying good wide receivers at, at the combine. I would say a lot of people would say the same thing. It's a challenging position to evaluate in different ways. Um, I don't have – if I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. Um, we Oof. keep trying – you know, I think there's a lot of things that go along with that position. Sometimes it's, it is tied to the quarterback, and I think it's tied to things like durability. It's tied to, you know, a lot of things. Um, we're going to keep swinging, you know. Uh, there have been some guys that, you know, have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy, which is disappointing, I would say. But it's not for lack of effort. Just we'd have better receivers, I guess. That is so bad. And, you know, and I, I said this the other day, and well, I said it to John Schneider. I just, I've never heard him utter an ill word about a player or a coach or anybody. Certainly you know? not in front of a mic in, yeah. in an and, interview. And this is like sitting at, you know, having a beer. I mean, it, never heard that. And, you know, we heard from Scott Fitter about how, his uh, because Eric DaCosta, reminder, is a GM just like John Schneider, and I just cannot believe that he would say something like that. I see Schneider just like shaking his head, like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm guessing Why every you? other GM did too, probably. Yeah. Like, dude, what do you do? I'm sure they say. I'm sure all of those guys behind closed doors, maybe when John and Peter together, they're talking about some player going, "Man, this guy, he's not what we thought," or they're sure. going to be honest about it. But they're not going to do that in front of a camera and a microphone. Like, what are you doing in the in, in it? Drew the ire of uh, Rashad Bateman, their uh, their receiver, their first round pick in twenty twenty one, and he took to Twitter and ripped him and and all of that, and then de- deleted the tweet later and just sent him one that said my apologies, but mm-hmm. got him upset. And I, w- I would guess if you're a receiver on that roster, you're thinking, why why would you do that publicly? Right. That's it seems a bad idea. So really really terrible. I mean, for a guy in that position. You know, and in just the way he put it was almost worse than saying our receivers suck. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just like we haven't hit on it yet. We're going to keep swinging, Jeez. you know, and then you're, you know, if you're any person, whether you're drafted or not. But as far as a receiver on the on the Ravens, you're going, oh, OK, that's where he, he doesn't think any of us. We're all garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'd have better receivers like, oh, boy. All right. Maybe we need a better GM. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> There you go. Why Man presented by Mazda of Everett. Coming up, our Seahawks alumni series rolls on with the legend, the Boz, Brian Bosworth. Going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.